stand for farmers owning the company, for them taking responsibility for the products they make, for them being in the right place at the right time for over a hundred years making Tillamook cheese from Tillamook, Oregon, for these farmers never wavering from their commitment to excellence. We stand for that. Shove that baby cheddar loaf into my face. Motherfucker. I need that till amuk cheese. Till amuk cheese. I'm on my knees. Begging you please. Shovel my mouth full of till amuk cheese. Humor and the abject. Humor. And. The. Abject. Baby boy. Baby. Boy. Who wah. Blamo. Bruppeting wah. What in the actual fuck is up? You shit posting screedlers. I hope you're extremely online this week. LOL. Wait a second. Doesn't this sound exactly like the music they use on the Intercepted podcast? I am screaming. As you know, I'm Staff Only. The studio manager at the Humor and the Abject podcast. I am Sean's boss. Sean is the host. Sean J. Patrick fucking Carney. A petty Irish man of meager wealth. A complicated but beautiful mind. Fuck him straight to hell and back. This week's episode is brought to you by the bluest blue chip gallery in all of Chelsea. That's right. David's Werner Gallery. David called us up on the phone. Begging to get mentioned on air. We told him. Dave, what do you have to offer our listeners? He started weeping openly. He told us that he lives a life of fear and regret. He cowers at night beneath his comforter. His white noise machine whirring aimlessly. His dehumidifier unable to moisturize the dry caverns of his very body. David Swerner told us to apologize to everyone. We took pity on him and allowed him to sponsor this episode. Trust me when I say that this was not an easy decision. Mr. Werner, you owe us fucking big time. I'm Ira Glass, welcome to Jackass. It's episode 7 of Humor in the Abject. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. This week, we have a very, very special guest. She's a comedian an animator, a talk show host, a video maker, found out that she likes to draw too. It's none other than Casey Jane Ellison. Uh, I have had the pleasure to perform with Casey before. She's also been a guest in classes that I've held, been a visiting artist and given great talks and interactive weird demo things with her face app to people. Uh, she was a guest judge on my art shop show in Miami and was hilarious at it. She is the host of Touching the Art on Ovation. She ran What the Fashion for V-Files. She does stand-up all the time. She's really incredible, and I'm very excited to have her on. Uh, we had to connect over the phone, and I'm only bringing this up because she brought it up at the end, so you know right away. Uh, got the dates mixed up. And I'm at the studio, and Casey couldn't make it up in time, so we had to do a phone call. But this is the first one that I've done. I think it sounds okay. Uh, but also, you know, I needed to learn how 
to have somebody call in. So this was a very good and productive experience. Um, so I'll quit yapping, and here's my conversation with Casey Jane Ellison. Casey Jane Ellison, welcome to Humor in the Abject. Mm-hmm. This is my first uh, this is my first telephone call-in episode. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, what are you doing right now? I am lounging in Side-Eye. Side-Eye? Side-Eye, the financial district. Oh, yes, of course. The Side-Eye, yes. <laughs> Some people call it Fitty. Fitty, yeah. <laughs> I saw that on a seamless ad recently. I didn't actually know that that was a uh, that that was an abbreviation for it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I wanted to talk to you. This is a podcast where we talk about humor and uh, art and where they kind of intersect and things like that. And I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you: You're from LA originally, right? You grew up in Los Angeles. Born and raised, yeah. Nice. Um, I read somewhere that your parents seemed to have pretty normal jobs, and so I was curious if they were into art or if you came to that through your kind of your own path because it's such an. Why do we always student. have to talk about my parents? I don't know because I read this. Why is it always about the parents? <laughs> well, I read, <laughs> I read a thing in the L.A. Times, and it made sure to you note sound that... like my therapist. Oh well, I go to therapy too, so maybe <laughs> I'm picking up the habits from Nancy, yeah. who's mine. Totally. Um, no, but why did you start doing art? It doesn't have to be related to mom and dad. No, everything's about mother anyway. Um, I started doing art because my mom said I could be a conceptual artist. And, she gave you permission. Um, I've lived, <laughs> she gave me permission, and that's all it took, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, and as like a mother of sorts, I, I believe myself. Like I'm coming into motherhood myself, um, not actually, but conceptually i want to give every one of your listeners the permission to become a conceptual artist as well oh yeah i think everybody should have permission to do that yeah i think that's all anyone needs and they're already doing it yeah yeah did you go to why did you go to chicago to go to college if you're from la i um sounded cool it's fucking cold. It's really cold there. But my first winter, I almost died. Um, I definitely died, like, emotionally. But did I you, was reborn, too. <laughs> Did you end up liking Chicago? I loved it. It was um, unlike... It's unlike any place I've ever been. And I... It was the most, like, romantic, bleak, um, weird place i've ever lived yeah you did uh film and video and stuff there were you is that like mm-hmm. cordoned off or do you hang out with uh, regular art nerds too um not familiar with like what is an art nerd like the regular kids like the fibers and material studies and painting and all of that kind of stuff oh yeah we were very like interdisciplinary <laughs> like there was no boundaries that's exciting. The yeah. uh, school that was in 
I didn't go to it, but this school that was in Portland is called Oregon College of Art and Craft. Its slogan is learn, learn the rules to break the rules. It's on their pamphlet that they give out to people. Hmm. Did you have that kind of freedom at the Schoolyard Institute of Chicago? Um, you know, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of in this place with that, that time, that school. I'm like trying to figure out how I feel about that whole time that I spent there and um, my decision to go to art school and like what that meant for my, for the rest of my life. Yeah. And it's actually been, um, you know, an existential crisis, a literal existential crisis with the, um, you know, the, the, the money. (laughs) Tell me about it. Uh, no, no, I feel the exact, no, that's fine. (laughs) I I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people have the exact same thought process. Um, it seems pretty insane. Um, we don't have to get specific with numbers, but I will literally never pay off college. There's no chance in fucking hell that I will There's ever. There's no way. No. In your in your whole life. No, no, I don't think so. You will never pay it off. I don't think I could. It's a lot of money. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I tried to do the income based <laughs> thing, you know, where they like base it on how much money you make, and it's still, it's just like you can't do like any, ninety years. <laughs> you can't. Yeah, you can't do anything else. Uh, you right. have to just pay your rent and buy groceries and then pay your student loans. It's kind of crazy um right well we don't have to talk about schoolyard institute chicago anymore i think everybody has a weird <laughs> i loved it i really i i i have rave reviews at that time of my life for did sure. you and it was because of that school do you have yeah. did you meet people there that you're still yeah close with totally totally and like i feel like people that i knew in chicago are still around and like that's i mean that might just be how life is but yeah totally that's cool. I don't know. And I know very few people from my, I went to Arizona State for undergrad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't really know very many people that I went to college with still. But I guess that's a very different situation. Um, were you doing comedy in Chicago? I know there's a, obviously a lot of that there. No, I never did comedy there. But I, I did like funny videos and funny animation. And I tried stand up for the first time actually in New York when I was like 20 or something mm-hmm. and uh, I was visiting and then I didn't do it again for like three more years really and then, was it fun yeah. or did it suck it was um the first time yeah yeah the first time was it was it was illuminating it was illuminating <laughs> Can you you unpack that? I'm just curious. I'm not trying to like bug you about it. I think I was. I think um, it was like an open mic in broad daylight, and um, yeah, it was a mess. But it was. I guess there was something that I. There was something addictive about it. Yeah. Return to it. When you return to it, I'm curious too, just kind of how, and I've talked to a bunch of different people and um, oftentimes I want to ask, but I, I think I want to ask you kind of about the, um, 
I don't think persona is the right word because you seem like pretty genuine, but you have a very, uh, very <laughs> particular stage presence. And I'm just curious if you like cultivated that or if it's something where um, that's just kind of naturally how you are. I mean, you're one of the people that I really like who is perfectly happy to just stare at the audience if it takes a minute for them to register what you just said or to kind of come around to it or to get warm to you. Mm-hmm. So what, I'm sorry, so what's, what's the question? Have oh. I cultivated <laughs> I was just curious persona? if that's, is that just who you are or are you playing somebody when you're on stage, like an amplified version of yourself or is it just kind of like that simply makes the most sense to you to perform that way? Yeah, I mean, I think there's something that's always, uh, like um, traumatized me. Oh, <laughs> it has always traumatized me about stand up, <laughs> and that's the vibe where you where I walk out, and it's just like everybody is just staring at me, and it's like a vacuum, and it's like I there's no reciprocation. It's very one it's one sided. Yeah, and it just seems really unfair, <laughs> and I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. <laughs> Over and over and over and over. Yeah, there is. Uh, <laughs> I think I read this. It's the most. It's the most unique relationship in my life. Like I don't have relationships like that. Uh huh. <laughs> where I just give relentlessly. <laughs> I think there's a. Um, there's this book that. Yeah, I don't know if the whole book is great, but there's the first chapter of it. Um, is something that I've used a bunch of different times. I think the guy's name is John Lyman, and it was called. Uh, the book has a pretty pretentious name, but it's called like Stand Up Comedy in Theory or Objection in America or something. But anyways, the first chapter, he kind of talks about this like Lenny Bruce bit. And regardless of what somebody thinks about Lenny Bruce or thinks Lenny Bruce is funny, there's this part where he starts to talk about the weird relationship that um, somebody performing stand up has with their audience. And he talks about it as this kind of like uh, both oedipal and reverse oedipal thing where you see the audience both as your like parent but also as your child and you kind of want to nurture them and bring them to this place and teach them something but the whole time you're also just fucking mad at them for staring at you and like really upset that they Mm -hmm. expect you to uh make them laugh or entertain them or something like that but it is interesting to think Mm -hmm. about uh continuously subjecting yourself to that I've always thought of, it's interesting, I mean, this is non-sequitur, but I think I've always thought reverse Oedipus was loving, wanting to be with your mom. Oh, oh, that makes sense, yeah. I guess I, I yeah, I don't know what that Maybe would be. Maybe it's a different thing entirely. It's not, it, it's not reverse. It's, yeah, I think I'm poorly paraphrasing. For that. <laughs> no, 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 Nurturing. I, I got what you meant. The, the motherly instinct that you, that you referenced earlier. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about mother. That's my point. Um, But do you think that it's, I mean, because you don't, I don't know, you're really fucking funny and your stand-up is great, but you don't, it doesn't seem to me, it doesn't seem to me like you're one of those people who actually really cares about a one-to-one, like, I say something, then everybody laughs. It seems like you're much more comfortable just kind of like... Oh, no, I do do care. (laughs) (laughs) Of Of course I care. I'm incredibly self-involved oh well i don't know you seem pretty pleased with yourself <laughs> even if nobody <laughs> well that has nothing to do with it <laughs> well you did um the last time i saw you was i mean i don't know if you've been back to uh new york since then but the when you did amy's show at new women's space and you came out and um people warmed up relatively quickly but it definitely took them a minute because everybody else sort of 
maybe was more familiar to them just because of like the scene in New York or something. But you kind of came up and just straight up were doing the you were being very Los Angeles. I felt like on purpose and you wore your hot bitch jacket <laughs> Just sort of introduced that mm-hmm. to the audience. <laughs> and you seemed, mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. Like you, it's not smarmy, but it's sort of like, a, um, I feel like you also kind of like the audience understands that you're also doing them a favor by doing what you're doing. <laughs> I'm loving it. Yeah, go on. <laughs> what else do I do? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It's not. I'm not trying to like get you into a corner or figure anything out. I'm just. I'm always curious because there are yeah. so many different kind of approaches, and it's really hard to do the one where you kind of. Um, I don't know. It's funny to hear you say that you're like worried if people aren't laughing or you want that to happen. I totally understand that, but it also like really doesn't seem like that when you're performing. It seems like you're thrilled if um, you know, if you've kind of upset people or something like that. Well, I, I try to just exist. Um, funny to me, I guess. I just, yeah, that's what I do. I think I say what's funny to me. Um, can I ask you, too, about some of the, I mean, you do a lot of animations, and you do videos, and you do all these mm-hmm. different things, and I'm sure you've been asked about this a bunch of times, so I apologize. But I was just curious about how um, the What the Fashion series that you were doing started and kind of Mm -hmm. was that something that you were approached for or was that something that you pitched and if I'm I don't know the fashion world super well but is v files like the platform that hosted it not the object of the joke themselves yeah um (laughs) so I was working with v files I was doing like those web shows and then was Casey um, is your cult part of that no, that was no. a separate project. Okay. That was just mine. And um, that was a commercial for my cult and my T-shirt. <laughs> which I think it's a really great... It was. It's, I like it. It's one of my faves oh, um, that I've done. Yeah, it's, it's very um, good. <laughs> my friends worked at... Worked worked at B-Files and I was doing the news, like the news talk show um, with them. And then we were like, why don't we develop this character into a YouTube personality that would teach people how to do a, like a V Files lifestyle? Mm-hmm. And what is a V Files lifestyle? Became, I think it was pretty explicit in what fashion, but um, <laughs> for someone who's not watching it right now, <laughs> for someone who's not watching it right now, it's like a lot of like, um, like goat cheese but like not really like going near it uh-huh. like not really touching the goat cheese or like yeah. um hats hats and hats yeah like a few hats and like just like i don't know like living life yeah i guess okay um like a lot of that and like you know medical condition you know prescription drugs that kind of life you oh know? yes i know a lot of <laughs> i know a lot of people who are living uh their best life at that life i think for sure totally good for them um but yeah so we just developed this idea that a person could make tutorial, like show you ways to 
live like a v-file rock star mm-hmm. and uh, i think we nailed it we've got to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors stick around for more with casey jane ellison also eat till amuk cheese eat jimmy john's set your desk at work on fire and blame it on your boss who cares Until at last, Pooh fell fast asleep and began to dream. been to an art gallery and wondered aloud to yourself, wouldn't this gallery be better if it were run by somebody named Dave? Of course you have. Who hasn't? What if I were to tell you that there is 100% definitely a gallery run by a guy named Dave? Would you believe me? Would you tell me to eat my own ass instead of this wedge salad my friend Rubenstein just prepared for me? Well, you'd be wrong as fuck to tell me to eat that ass of mine wrong as a shit fucker dick wiggler excuse me fuck you the gallery is called david's werner for a reason you junior varsity rancid pissed wister david's werner you hear me get it through your thick ass nasty skull before i get higher a glass drunk and pound you out a new zip code visit the gallery it is located somewhere in chelsea and there are probably more than one david's werner hey kid burner david Zwerner. Bruppeting wah. This is the part that you've probably been asked about a million times, besides your parents, um, but about touching the art and mm-hmm. just kind of what the genesis of that was. Um, and I don't, I think I mentioned it, I wrote a thing in Art in America a while ago and I mentioned kind of like yeah. how hilarious it was that that was on television or that was that a television network produced that. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, really cool. How did, is that just because you live in LA so that's what happens? Um, you get to be on no. TV if you live Actually, there? It's, um, I don't know if that was like some kind of major clerical error. <laughs> no, I'm, no, it's because I'm so talented. I That's understand I that, but what, <laughs> how did the Ovation Network, though, I mean... Take, I mean, that's a that's a gamble, right? Because it's a show about art, not a gamble on you, but like it's pretty niche stuff. So you're asking me what their process was in thinking that I was a good idea. No, I you're. Can't that oh my god! <laughs> no, you're a good idea. I'm just asking practically. Okay, how my did, good idea. Oh. How did a comedian, okay, so artist, my... person start hosting a show on Ovation? Okay, so again, it was a friend mm-hmm. <laughs> who wanted Shaw Bowman um, and I like 
developed that show. And we were, we wanted to do something really hypocritical and really funny and like spooky. And so we were just, we discussed like, what is the most hypocritical host concept? Mm. (laughs) And it's like a, a woman who is, you know, very into like, excluding men mm-hmm. as a political standpoint and um but you never bring that up on the show isn't that one of the things no i constantly you're all, talk oh, about I, it it's like the you're, one you're all like, women you're all women panel but you're not going to bring it up or something right exactly <laughs> and um yeah i think it's just a, it was it was really fun to like um explain like be very expository about the conflict that um, I think everyone goes through every day with with just like trying to understand and trying to organize their emotions about like their lives and talk about these issues through the lens of art, mm-hmm. but they're actually just emotional issues and like issues about infrastructure that is that are like mirrored in the art world. Yeah. I mean, you get the funny thing is that it's got the kind of, um, I guess it's kind of, uh, I've heard, you know, people talk about it and they're sort of like, oh, it's this wacky kind of show and it's these types of things like that. But yeah, you're talking about some pretty, like, it's very serious shit that you're talking about. I mean, you have a really good gift at immediately saying something flippant and <laughs> turning on a dime and turning that into something else. But um, many of the things that you're proposing, I think part of the reason that people, um, find them funny or start laughing or the kind of quips and things like that that you say is part of it's a real sense of discomfort and I think hearing somebody say it out loud and just kind of call the bullshit on it you get this kind of release of um you know just the physical act of laughter and you get to just sort of be like oh my god finally somebody brought that up or somebody said that to Mm -hmm. that person um and the I you know you don't have to show your cards or anything like that but I was just curious about what the rapport with the guests and stuff is like because am i correct that touching the art is you you are for practical purposes it's completed right now not that you wouldn't do it again in the future but it's not ongoing right now right well i do panels still and i um haven't done like the exact same format but i have continued this interview format where i discuss other issues like money, I did a I did a talk show at Red Bull Studios that was it was like a one day event and we shot it live mm-hmm. and it was like a like a comedy special live presentation of um, a lecture that I did and a panel discussion about money in as it applies to how millennials are dealing with the concept of money and also actually practically how they are managing their money and um, and also emotionally. And um, they did that. It's called You Are Money. And, you are... Yeah, so it's like an ongoing practice of mine to continue these interviews and posing questions to panels and just people that have insight and maybe don't either <laughs> so. do um 
do any of the guests ever get uh i can't tell i mean the reason that touching the art is really great is because i mean not only is the content of it great and the concept and everything else that you're doing with it but there's the tension that's between you and the guests is really hilarious and they often break and they start laughing and things like that but sometimes they seem a little antagonized and i was that's what i meant by i don't i'm not asking you to show your cards but i was just wondering how much of that is your guests playing along and how much of it um actually gets kind of awkward sometimes i mean i think um you know the conversations are purposefully awkward and I, i'm i'm very honest with the guests i was i still am whenever i interview someone it's like antagonism is part of discussion sometimes and it's like fun and it's you know, it's, it's fun. It's part of friendship. Like it's part of just like having a good conversation and it's not, um, a big deal. Right. But it's, it's just like part of it. And it's like, that's also what I was, what I'm interested in as a person who does interviews and as a host, it's like how ideas become personal and also just like airtime airtime becomes really personal and having the right answer is so stressful and the point is that the conversation just continues yeah that's the resolution is that there will always be more conversation yeah i mean it certainly doesn't seem like uh, it doesn't seem like you're ambushing people or anything like that it seems very much like they know what's up and they're along for the ride and i i guess now that you're kind of explaining it that way it's sort of funny because the show is no more antagonistic than when people sit around at a bar together and kind of bullshit or talk or debate and things like that. But I guess, Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just so, um, and I'm kind of just talking this out loud, but I'm so used to going to things that are, you know, art, uh, based if it's a panel or whatever. And it's basically everybody like already agrees upon the same point and is just kind of like taking turns with the different talking points and there's not really any kind of antagonism present which is sort of ridiculous actually Um, i've seen so much antagonism on panels and i've noticed it more recently and i think it's because um like the hierarchy of a panel and a host of a panel or a moderator is uh not clear these days, I feel like many times I, I hear people raise their hand and they're like, I didn't have a question. I actually had a comment. And, <laughs> and it's like, they actually just want to be on the panel. And it's like, they are also qualified to be on the panel. Yeah. And I think like the difference, like, I think people want to talk. And it's like, we don't, I don't know if we need certain people in certain positions talking about certain issues necessarily but what you're saying you're describing like an art panel where everyone's probably pretty qualified to discuss these subjects it's um the panel almost yeah it's like more of a group discussion instantly and like naturally and it does become combative because there is a hierarchy with a panel there's like these people have this insight and you're supposed to listen yeah and um I think that that is tense right now and and has always been. Yeah, no, no, that that does make a lot of sense. I mean, I guess I'm 
my go-to, what I was thinking of was traditional, um, I guess like a, a talk at a school or something like that. And, and it's, and you're right, there are a lot more people who are feeling both frustrated and probably enfranchised because like, why are the people um, with the microphones necessarily more qualified to talk about something? And, and it's funny because there's, um, you kind of, oh yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I do think that people should expect that kind of like dissenting question or participation from the audience. And I don't mean dissenting in a negative sense at all. Um, I just remember like when I was in school and if somebody would ask a tough question to like the visiting artist, everybody would kind of get uncomfortable or something like that. But um, I wonder if it's a, it might be a generational thing. And there are people who just kind of aren't necessarily uh, willing to pretend like if they follow all of these kind of cues of social etiquette that they're going to climb the art world ladder or something like that i mean i think about that a lot too mm-hmm. when, when people say that um you know people are like oh millennials are so sensitive and they want everything to be politically correct and safe spaces and these things and to me it just seems like it's a generation of people who don't really see that the future is laid out in the way that they're sort of bullshit that it is and so they feel um they feel fine speaking up and they feel fine disagreeing right. and that seems really healthy right i don't know um, yeah, I mean, it's natural. <laughs> um, do you, I, I was thinking about this too, because you do a lot of different stuff and you vacillate between art and video making and animation and things like that. And, uh, is it, I, I was just talking to, um, Alan Resnick the other day and he, I always kind of thought that most people just fluidly kind of move between these things if they work with a lot of different things but he he told me that he feels like he has these windows of time where he's really specifically working on uh, a live show and then he kind of tosses that to the side and then it's like video for several months and I was just curious if you have a if you break the stuff up like that or if you feel like you're just constantly thinking about all those things all the time I have all I guess I assume that that's what you're doing yeah I think it's so it's the writing for me and it feels like it's the same thing to me. Mm-hmm. It's like the same con- conceptual desire. It's like a desire to make a concept and then make that concept a thing. And um, I do start always by writing and like talking. And that's, it feels like it's from the exact same spot every time. Like when I do an animation or I do a talk show or I do a live panel or a stand-up show, um, it's like diary entries. Mm-hmm. And then do you just kind of pick or does it just sort of happen naturally what vehicle that might end up being? Or, you know, are you sometimes trying something out as an animation and it's like, ah, it's not working. I'm going to just, it makes more sense it for me to say that live. The- I'm, I've been lucky enough to be reliant on opportunities, and then when I want to make something, I do that, too. What do you mean reliant on, a, I, like, deadlines, or, or, like, a thing is coming up, so like, you know you have to get something done? Like a prompt. Yeah. Yeah, like a prompt or an opportunity to do a show uh-huh. or an event. Yeah, I think that can yeah. be a, uh, an excellent motivator, and I think is <laughs> something that... Um, I guess I don't, I'm glad that you said that because I don't 
necessarily hear people speak candidly about that all the time but i think it's really different if you're somebody that doesn't um and i don't know i don't maybe you draw maybe you do all these other things but um it seems to me like you wouldn't fall under the umbrella of what constitutes like a traditional artistic practice where you have a studio and you sit in there and you do x y z and it's like you have to do this type of thing but it's much more integrated with your day-to-day and so you're jotting stuff down and it seems like if you're always doing that and it's not about completing a single object that deadlines or opportunities or when something is presented to you that of course it makes sense that that would be the motivating factor to like complete a work or see an idea to completion um i think a lot of young artists have anxiety about that like am i doing enough am i blah 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 but sometimes it's just you need somebody to tell you that it has to be done by a certain time or other people are depending on you yeah i think um I agree. I do. I also waver between like a traditional practice and um, not, I guess. Like if I'm working on something that I want to work on, yeah, then I like do that. And even if there's no like no for sure end, you're just doing it out of the compulsory kind of you want to create something. Right. Yeah. Right. And like sometimes I'll draw. And I'm like, oh, yeah, um, I need to be doing this every day for 30 years, actually. <laughs> and then, but I'll still, like, allow myself to do it yeah. if I want. Yeah, drawing's hard. Like drawing? Yeah. yeah. It's fun and it's rewarding, but it's really difficult. I started, again, maybe like a year ago, and I'm really bad at mm-hmm. it. I used to be pretty good at it. it does... I'm sure you're not bad at it. I, everything I draw looks like it's from King of the Hill. King of the Hill. <laughs> I mean, I'd have to see it. <laughs> um, well, what do you think that in, you know, this is kind of a go-to question that I've asked several people, mostly people mm-hmm. that do live comedy and stuff like that. Um, but I asked Amy about it and Jabuki, who you were on that show with, and I've asked Anna Fabreg and some other people, but I'm just curious if, um, if you think that there's any type of change going on right now that's happening in comedy and because I don't live in Los Angeles um, I'm curious if you see it happening there I see it happening really kind of pretty vibrantly here in Brooklyn Um, and it's certainly not gonna solve every problem in the world but it's pretty cool to go to a show like the one that I saw you at last and just have it look really really different than the shows that I was going to when I first moved to New York and didn't really know where Mm -hmm. anything was Um, and I'm just curious if you, you know, have any thoughts on that or if things are changing for the better or if you think it's just kind of like I'm focusing myopically on um, the things that I want to see and being like, oh, cool, that's happening in this tiny pocket. Huh. I think I have – I'm really um positive girl and I think people want – to be happy and free. And I think that there is positive change available. I know like some people would like tear me to shreds for saying something like that now, but I just, that's how I feel. And I think across fields, there's like a lot of opportunity and space to be much better than, and, and just good. 
Yeah. I mean, do you think that... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I think that um, you're probably one of the examples of that, though. And it's... Uh, for you. No, but I mean it. I think that there... <laughs> I mean it, Casey. I think that there are probably more than you know, you know, there are probably people a little bit younger than you and you're younger than me, I think. Um, but who see Definitely you? Younger than you. <laughs> 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 yes. Um, but no, really people who <laughs> might see you perform or, um, they might follow your Twitter or see you on social media or something like that. And you just kind of create like an aspirant model or like a demonstration of like, this is a person who kind of didn't you know feel like they had to follow a really specific trajectory that was laid out that was probably stacked against them and is doing something different and interesting and can exist in all these different worlds and i mean i think that that's a pretty like great thing for people to see because it's like examples of people feeling like they're represented in lots of different ways is what causes people to feel enfranchised to to do something themselves right yeah I don't, I mean, do people have problems doing things themselves? I oh, feel like yeah. everyone's doing, doing what, like, very actively pursuing what they want to talk about. Is that, is, am I wrong? No, I don't, point? no, and I don't think that, I don't even necessarily think that we're in disagreement or saying something that's necessarily opposed to um, each other. I think that, I think that what I mean is maybe somebody who hasn't come into, a place where they feel like their kind of politics or their personality or anything else is um, that they feel enfranchised for that to be fully formed and to be doing things themselves. I think that uh, there are a lot of people and a lot more than, um, you know, even 10 years ago or 15 years ago who are definitely doing things themselves and making the, the things that they want to see out there. I simply meant like, you know, like they're probably like kids in high school who, feel very you know kind of comforted to be like watching your videos and things like that and it's kind of cool yeah that is cool you're right <laughs> i am getting i am getting older um for the first time in my life actually oh. i'm the oldest i've ever been that's, and hey that's yeah that's unique, true i know yeah and um <laughs> I feel like it's like I'm kind of entering that time in my life where I look to the children and, um, you know, ask them for help. Yeah. Too. That's good. See, well, that's yeah. that's wonderful to have a, um, you know, to have these micro generational gaps and have the ones who are just slightly ahead of the ones after actually valuing right. what the ones after them are doing instead of. I don't right. know, like fucking baby boomers. I know, right? They're the worst. So gross. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's okay. I said it, not you. You're just humoring me. Without them, we wouldn't have um, I guess anxiety I... or depression. So thanks a lot. <laughs> or student debt or <laughs> the war in Iraq right. or Afghanistan. Just kidding. They love you, baby boomers. Yeah. <laughs> They did a good job. I just want to say they did a great job. Um, well, what? Uh, come on, that's unfair. What? That's really unfair. You're gonna blame it all on the baby boomers? No, the generation before them sucked too, and we kind of suck. But 
They're particular. I think we got to go back to like BC. Blame <laughs> that generation. It's probably all their fault. To BC, the like the birth. Yeah, whatever generation was like BC. <laughs> Jesus. Probably just Jesus? Should we just blame that generation? <laughs> Who? Which one? I'm sorry. C. Should C. We just blame the C generation. Yeah. Yeah. Generation C. Generation C. That's <laughs> you know what I mean when I say that. <laughs> I. Don't know if I'm following, but I'm gonna blame them because it feels like we could the all get the C and DC. The C and DC is what the I'm Christ. The C <laughs> Christ. <laughs> I was, Am I crazy? I was taught that I was taught in college that we were supposed to start saying um, CE before... and BCE common era right and before common, common era. era right so yeah the c in bc which is what i said common said Christ. sorry i know i was raised catholic that's my fault um well <laughs> is there anything that you have coming up that you want to let people know about or anything that we should keep an eye out for yeah i am currently in a show in brooklyn at fisher parish gallery i went to it and i'm Oh, you did. Right. I love that picture you took. It's really good. <laughs> I got excited because that was the jacket that you were wearing when I had seen you last. Yeah. That jacket's for sale if anyone can, wants it just through the description of it in this podcast. Cool. Yeah. It's a good jacket. Yeah. It's cool. Um, how long is that show up for? It's at Fisher Parish. I think, wait, I don't know actually the date. Um, but should I look it up on? No, you. I'll. I will. I'll look it up and do a put it in the info. You don't have to do that right now. Okay, cool. Um, and that's did Max, Max Wolf, did he put that? Show Max up? Wolf curated it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he and I worked together on the You Are Money special. Yeah, he's the golden. He's the golden boy of Red Bull, right? Yeah, he, he's wonderful. I know he helped me out a lot when I was I wrote something about the Mel Chin show there and he was really um gracious. It was wonderful. And Can- yeah. Candace is really cool too. She works there as well. Candace is insanely like the best. Mhm. I love her. It's nice to meet nice people. Totally. Um anything else besides the show? Um I have other stuff going on, but I don't um not obliged to i mean i understand obligating me to talk about it right no you don't have to talk about it and i also no i don't want to talk about it you don't have to talk about it and i also know that sometimes there's stuff going on that um especially if you live in los angeles that you can't really let details out about because it involves stuff like i'm learning about because it's actually just a lie and there's nothing else on the horizon but i want to go to la and schedule a bunch of what I will say that everything I'm working on that may or may not be true is going to be excellent. Yeah, I believe that. And huge. Yeah. I've mostly <laughs> seen pretty excellent content from you. <laughs> um, yeah, you're But what I was going to say is I just want to go to L.A. and set up a bunch of generals, but I don't know if – do people – you think people would set them up with me? I don't have any reason. Generals? Like a general um, meeting? I've heard my about. My advice would be to skip it. But don't – Oh, I don't have don't any – I don't have any end game. I just want to have. I want to tell people I'm going to Los Angeles you just for general. Do generals. Yeah. Generals. Yeah. Um. Then go for it. Who am I to tell you not to do that? Thank you. I know that you said that you were 
um, secretly a very positive person. I appreciate the encouragement. I would never tell anyone not to pursue the generals. Thanks. That's good. I'm going to set those up for maybe when I get some money together and I can go out to L.A. I'm going to set up some generals. Um, I might need. <laughs> I might have an ask. I might need some email intro. I'm just kidding. Um, but for real, though, thank you for spending some time with me and thanks for doing it on the phone. I know it's kind of a weird way to do an interview, but um, I think it was. Uh, I'm really sorry. It was. All, I will admit it was all my fault. Oh, it's a, we didn't even talk. In we don't I have didn't... to talk about. <laughs> It's just because I'm, and I will admit, I have admitted it. I'm an incredibly self-involved it's, sexual artist. It's okay. That it's, is my excuse. I, specific, I specifically told her that we didn't have to talk about that, but you brought it up, so it's okay. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I'm mortified. It's okay. Thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me, and thank you for doing what you do. And uh, yeah, I will look forward to seeing more. Okay, thank you for having me. Thanks, Casey. Mm-hmm.